But today we're going to go into depth in a whole new way as to what the fourth commandment is. So we have gone through the previous three commandments. We are in the fourth commandment. And today it's in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 8 through 11. Exodus uh, 20, verse 8 to 11. And the theme today is Sabbath, the day of rest, the day that we cease from our work. And what can happen to us or for us is we can overlook how absolutely and essential this concept was for God's Old Covenant, Old Testament people. And for a few thousand years, they celebrated the Sabbath in a way that was absolutely devoted. It was the centerpiece of their week. Life orbited around it. The economy orbited around it. Worship orbited around it. It was essential and it was central. If you go to Israel right now, if you go to Israel right now and you decide that you would love to go to Israel on a a Friday uh, into a Saturday in the evening hours and you are out there on a Saturday uh, throughout the day, you're going to find that many, many, many businesses are closed. Why? It is a Jewish town. They are observing the Sabbath. You'll even find if you ever go to multicultural diverse areas like Hackensack or like New York City, if you ever decide to go into a hospital, you will find that on a Saturday they will have something called the Sabbath elevator. Have you ever heard of that before? They, because they don't believe in doing any work, I'll say, so there's, there's extremes to this too. Because they don't believe in doing any work, they refuse to press any of the buttons, and so the Sabbath elevator in these diverse areas will just stop at every floor so that they will not have to push any buttons. So there are some extremes to this. So the question for us is, while there are people who celebrate and are devoted to the Sabbath, is the question is, should we observe the Sabbath? And if so, On what day and in what way? How does it apply to us? How does it not apply to us? So there's a lot of questions that really emerge from the fourth commandment. So let's read it together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Remember, remember. Remember here is to take something that is from the past so that it would be living in the present and live on in the future. It's not just something, a mental remembrance. It's celebrating and modeling that which has gone before us so that it would have a future. So remember the Sabbath. Let's pause right there. And we're going to be pausing as we read through these verses. Sabbath literally means ceasing of work. It means rest. Your day off would be sort of a modern day vernacular translation for that. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. See, holiness is an important concept in the Bible. It's actually the most frequently mentioned attribute of God in the whole Bible is that God is holy. So I'm going to break it down to you in very simple terms. Here's what this means. This means he's different from us. So we're sinful and he's not. We're created and he's eternal. We have to learn things. He knows everything. He's different from who we are. So this concept of holiness is that six days we work and we do the same thing and we get up every day and we go to work. And on the seventh day, it's holy. It's different. It's set apart. You do something different than the other six days. And so one of the ways that we know 
you're violating the Sabbath is if over and over and over seven days keep looking the same. If that's the case, you're violating the Sabbath. If six days look alike and one day looks different, you might be actually obeying the principle of God's Sabbath. And so we continue reading. In six days you shall labor and do all of your work. So let me just unpack this for a moment. A lot of people say, oh, this is the commandment about the Sabbath. But it's actually about, not only about the Sabbath, but it's also about work. The commandment is actually to keep us from twin idols that are at the centerpiece of the American culture and at the centerpiece of the American economy. You remember the first commandment is there's one God. The second commandment is we only worship God. We don't worship idols. So we establish that idols is a created thing. It is our functional God. It's what we give time to. It's the centerpiece and focus of our life. And so some of us, we worship our work. Some of us, we worship our do- jobs. And, you know, the interesting part about some of us is that we'll look at and make fun of pagans who used to sacrifice where they'd get an altar, they'd lay down a person or an animal and solder it to the gods. And we'll laugh at something like that. But sometimes our God is called job, and sometimes our sacrifice is called health, marriage, children, family, Sabbath, church, life groups, or our days off. See, sometimes we can have job be God, and we offer various sacrifices to appease our God. So this principle in the fourth commandment keeps us from worshiping our job and worshiping our comfort. So here's the first question that normally comes up as people are observing and are talking about this first commandment. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Which is the Sabbath? Okay, so if you do this, if you go to the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it says, God worked six days, and on the seventh day he rested. So what day was the seventh day? Saturday. Saturday. As a matter of fact, we have coined the term, if you ever listen to how Saturday sounds in another language, uh, for example, Spanish, sabado. Sounds a lot like Sabbath. Okay? So Saturday is the day. Thousands of years, God's people worshiped in the old covenant. They ceased their labors and they worshiped their God on Saturday. But what day is today? Today is Sunday. So are we doing it right? Or are we doing it wrong? That's the big question. Are we doing it right or wrong? Should we have Saturday or Sunday that we worship? Why do Christians have Sunday and their Jewish friends and their Seventh-day Adventist friends say it's Saturday? It's Saturday. They say to you, it's always been Saturday. Sunday's wrong. Saturday's right. You shouldn't be taking the Lord's Day on a Sunday. It should always be on a Saturday. And they're going to go take you to the Bible and they're going to try to explain it to you through the Bible. And you're going to say, you know what? Sabbath. Saturday. That's exactly what the Bible says. But you see, everything changed when Jesus came. Not just the Sabbath, but everything. Jesus comes after thousands of years of God's people observing the Sabbath on Saturday. And Jesus obeys the Sabbath. He doesn't obey the religious rules that come up with it in addition to God's rules. So he actually gets into some conflict with people. Like they actually come and rebuke him when Jesus is in a synagogue and he's praying over a man who has, is crippled and Jesus heals him. 
And so they begin to complain, well, you violated the law of Moses. You're not supposed to do any work on a Saturday, on the Sabbath, but yet here you've done this. But here Jesus does obey the Sabbath. And then he dies and he rises again. And Jesus dies in place for our sins and rises as our Savior what day of the week? Sunday. Sunday. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are each of the four biographies that tell the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And they say that he rose from the death on, quote, unquote, the first day of the week. In the Jewish calendar, what's the first day of the week? Sunday. It was like our Monday. It was the day they all went back to work after their day off. John in the book of Revelation calls it the Lord's Day. So it's the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the early church started meeting not on Saturday but on Sunday. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 gives us one occasion and it says, on the first day of the week, which is what? Sunday. In the Jewish calendar, that's Sunday too. In Hebrew, it's Sunday. In Greek, it's Sunday too. Which we gathered which we were, when we were gathered together. So it talks about the church getting together on a Sunday. And so the old covenant is fulfilled. The new covenant comes in. Everything that was anticipatory and preparatory for the coming of Jesus is actually now satisfied in the resurrection of Jesus. The whole world is changed. Everything's in new. All things are being made new. And all things are in the process of becoming new through the resurrection of Jesus. And so we need a day that represents this shift in theology, this change in paradigm, this new reality, and that day that's brought into being through the resurrection of Jesus. And so for Christians, it shifts to Sunday. And for them, this would have been a great sacrifice because in their culture, it was probably still a work day. Think about that for a second. Our culture is vastly different from Middle Eastern culture. It's vastly different from 2,000 years ago. And I've just mentioned to you that their Sunday was the commencement of their week, much like Monday is to us. And so this would have been a work day for them. So they would have had to work through that. They still had to go to work. Imagine if we had church on Monday instead of Sunday. I mean, just imagine all of the decisions that you and I would need to make to correspond our life with meeting on a Monday. It probably means they probably met early in the morning or, or late at night. You're talking a massive, massive adjustment, change, and sacrifice just to honor the resurrection of Jesus. So is it Saturday or Sunday that's the Sabbath? For us, it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week because we just don't concern ourselves with when we worship. We concern ourselves with who we worship. And because we worship Jesus, and Sunday is the day that we have chosen based upon the teaching of the Bible to be together. And we gather together. For us, it's a Sunday. And it continued that the Sabbath day was, generally speaking, on Saturday. For the entire culture in the Middle East until an emperor of Rome by the name of Constantine converted. And there's actually debate about that. He was the ruler of the Roman Empire, the most powerful nation on earth in its day. And he then took Christianity from being forbidden and persecuted to being legalized. 
And he declared that Sunday was the new day off, and it was the new Sabbath day. So then it shifted in the Roman Empire from Saturday, which was the day that the Jews had adhered to, to Sunday, which the Roman nation now adhered to. So how does that relate? Let's transfer all of that ideas. So 1,400 and some odd years later, there comes this baby nation called the United States of America. And a big debate occurs. Should we take Saturday off or should we take Sunday off? And they really could not make a decision or choose between the two. So they decided for both. So if you wonder how we got a two-day weekend, that's how we got it. It's a very new concept. Again, the Exodus was written to former slaves. They probably never got a day off before. So for them, a day off was like, really? An entire day off? An entire day where I don't have to work? We complain about working five days a week and only getting two days off. But for this, for these guys, this was a totally revolutionary concept. What a gift from the Lord, they were saying. He really must love us. This is a great gift. The Americans, we tend to get two days off. Actually, more than what the scripture requires. So start with this understanding that we literally live in one of the most unique places in history. And some of you have careers that give you more time off than even God decreed for you to have. And so we need to be good stewards of that. So what am I going to do with that time? How will I use and invest that time? And that's where even sometimes those who give a day of volunteer service to ministry still have a day off, and they're taking the extra day to use it in service to the Lord in addition to the rest that God prescribed to them in the fourth commandment. So on your way out, when you're picking up your kids, or when you see an usher or see somebody in the sound booth or those who are serving throughout our church, know that they are giving you one of their days off. And God is still giving them a day off. And so they've used that in a very ministry-minded in a God-honoring way. And I want to publicly thank all the volunteers who, though they may get two days off, they give one to service our church and to serve you. That's a real gift. They are a real treasure for our church. This leads us to another question, though. Is the Sabbath binding on Christians? So we've just established that Sunday is the day for Christians. But is the Sabbath and this fourth commandment binding upon Christians? So, okay, so here's the debate. So there are ten commandments. Nine of them are mentioned and expressly commanded in the New Testament. There's actually one curious omission. And it's the fourth commandment, our area of focus this morning, the Sabbath. So is it still binding or is it not binding? That's the question. It is not binding on us as it was to those who lived in the Old Testament. That much I can answer you. Here's how I know. Romans chapter 14, verse 5 through 6. If you have a Bible, an e-Bible, or if you're looking for a Bible, it should be in the seat in front of you. Romans chapter 14, verse 5 through 6 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. And each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. So here's what he's saying. Saturday, want to worship? That's fine. Sunday, 
That's fine too. How many of you have a job? Tuesday's your day off. That's fine if you want to worship. Some of you, Thursday's your only day off. That's fine too. What God is saying, it's more about who we worship than when we worship. It's more important that we get a day than argue over which day it is. Now this leads us to a bigger issue. And this is, how should we as Christians deal with the Old Testament law? And the Ten Commandments are in the middle of the first five books of the Old Testament. And Jesus calls them the law because there are literally 613 laws. And I'm not asking for a show of hands, but how many of you think that the Old Testament laws are no, lying, no longer binding upon us? We don't have to pay attention to them at all. But then if I tell you about murdering or stealing, you're like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, let's keep those. So you're like, okay, let's get rid of the Old Testament law, but we'll, we'll keep a few of them. How many of you say no? It's no longer binding on us. How many of you would say yes? It's all binding upon us. And then immediately somebody would come out and say, well, do you like shrimp and lobsters? Well, you can't eat shellfish. Well, what kind of fabric is that shirt that you have on? Because, you know, you can't wear certain shirts that have multiple kinds of fabrics on it. And you're like, well, I, I didn't read I didn't actually read all of it. I, I, I just, you know, sort of, I tapped out around uh, uh, Leviticus. I kind of stopped reading there. And, you know, I, I really don't know about the rest of it. And so it could be a very confusing and complicated thing for Christians. Because it's like, well, we want to obey the entire Bible, right? We don't want to go uh, to the Bible and say, well, that's weird, and that's uh, weird, gone, and, and that's weird, that's gone too. But, but are certain things applicable to us? And are certain things not applicable to us? Here's the thing that I would go by. It's all applicable to us. But let me explain to you how. See, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. And so the whole law is fulfilled by Jesus. But something radical happens when, when, with the law when it comes to Jesus. This is why Romans chapter 10, verse 4 says that Christ is the end of the law. So think of it in this way. Paul uses an analogy in a letter to a group of people called the Galatians. And he said that the Old Testament law is like a school teacher. Any of you remember going to school? Oh, you remember elementary school, that one teacher that you couldn't stand going to her class or his class. Oh, that high school, that teacher that, you know, gave you the bad grades and, and you didn't deserve them, but they gave them to you anyway. Any of you remember that at all going to school, absolutely detesting, sitting in class? You couldn't wait for it to be over. Any of you remember that? See, but the whole point of going to school is to teach you certain things so that you can graduate and move on with the rest of your life. So school's very good. School's really important, but school is not forever. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> so think of it in this way. To use Paul's analogy of education, I graduated from high school. And when I went to high school, we had, let's just use the biblical language, we had laws. You had to show up at a certain time. You had to be there for so many days of the week. You had to sit in class for so many hours of the day. You had to have a certain grade point average or you would fail. You couldn't, you know, smoke indoors. You really couldn't kill anybody. You couldn't steal anything. And you couldn't park in the teacher's parking lot, right? 
So these were rules that I had when I was in high school. And then at some point, I met all the graduation requirements. And once I met the graduation requirements, I was free to move on. And most of those laws are no longer binding on me. And so I don't need to go to school tomorrow. I don't have a test that I need to study for tomorrow. But some of the laws that they taught me while I was in school are still binding. Like, well, probably not a good idea to kill someone or pull a fire alarm or smoke indoors, you know, stuff like that. And so all of the laws were fulfilled, and some of them still apply. So here's how it works for us. Jesus comes to the picture, to the world, without sin. God becomes a man, lives a perfect life in full, complete, and total obedience to the entirety of the law. And he goes to the cross and substitutes himself. He suffers and he dies in our place for our sins as our Savior. And he rises from death on Sunday and Jesus gives us his righteousness. So to use my analogy, Jesus hands us his report card. So when we stand before the Father, we don't come with our own report card. We don't come with our own transcript saying, I've met all the demands of the laws. I have, I have not sinned. We come saying, I bring Jesus' report card. I bring Jesus' transcript. He's my perfection. He's my righteousness. He's obeyed the entirety of the law. And he's my living, sovereign Lord and Savior. And there are some things that he still tells me that I can't do like murder people or commit adultery or steal or lie or worship false gods, does that begin to make sense? So the law was anticipatory. It was preparatory. It was to prepare us for Jesus. It was to show us our sin and our need for a Savior so that when the Savior came, we would realize that apart from him, we would never, ever be able to meet the demands of God's law. So that being said, the Sabbath is not binding on Christians because it's been fulfilled in Christ. Jesus says it this way. Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you know what that translates to in Hebrew if you were to translate to Jesus' statements in Hebrew? Come with me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and in me you'll find rest for your soul. You know what a yoke is? Uh, a yoke is uh, maybe for some of you guys are more, this is, remember the scriptures are written in, in a context of an agricultural world and an agricultural economy. We now have a global economy and an economy that they're based more on computers and internets than an agricultural economy. And so a yoke is something very interesting. In order for uh, the ground to be treaded and to be prepared uh, for an, a, a new crops to be planted, they would take these bulls, okay, and they would take and they would place these things, U-shaped things, around their neck, and that was the yoke. It was the burden that they buried. They would carry a weight using the yoke. And so that's what Jesus is saying. When the burdens on your back start to get too heavy for you to, to bear, know that you can give it to me, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you an eternal Sabbath for your soul. So our rest today is not found in a day of the week. It's found in Jesus. So Jesus fulfills the law. 
and we rest in Jesus Christ because he is our Savior and he is our forever Sabbath. So the day is no longer binding on us. But let me do one thing. Let me take this from the realm of law and move it up to the realm of wisdom. So in addition to the category of laws that God prescribes in the scriptures, there is also in the Bible the category of wisdom. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. I encourage you to read it sometime. So what I would say is that the Sabbath is no longer binding as a law, but celebrating the Sabbath is good wisdom. See, Proverbs is filled with stuff like, hey, kid, you see, it's, it's kind of a dad talking to his kids. That guy over there, moss all over his roof, weeds growing up, siding falling off the house, he's losing his equity. See, there's a truism. There's a, a principle. So the moral of the story is don't defer maintenance on your property or, or little by little a wise man makes his money grow. Or, hey, kid, do you want to get rich? Who would say no to that? You ask a little kid, you want to have, you want to have money? You want to have all the toys in the world? You want to get rich? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's going to be about 70 years. And money doubles every seven years if you invest it wisely. So let's do some number here. Let's look over the facts. If we put this much in the bank today and you add it over a course of time and it doubles every seven years, where will you be at retirement? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that is wisdom. Those types of things are wisdom. See, a church would never bring you to discipline because you didn't cut your grass or put enough money in your retirement account. But if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. So it's less about law and it's more about wisdom. It's less about you have to do this and it's more about this would be the smart thing for you to do. Does that make sense? This is the wise thing for you to do. Because Jesus wants us to be community with each other. And the church is where we gather. And part of being saved is that we integrate into a church and we gather together with that church and we worship together with them. See, I think the law being fulfilled in Christ and nine of the ten commandments are still binding upon us today. I believe this is the one that shifts from the category of law to the category of wisdom. I'm not telling you you have to get a day off. What I'm telling you is if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. If you don't gather and worship, you hurt yourself. If you don't gather and worship so that your kids can be taught the word, you're going to hurt your kids and your family. Ultimately, you'll hurt your relationship with God. So the idea and the thought is, is that Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't want to bring you into a forceful worship of his name. I'm going to force you to come on Sundays. That's what you need to do. Because what kind of love would that be? But instead, Jesus wants you to offer your time and your Sabbath to him because you believe that he's genuinely worthy to receive your praise. Because it needs to spring forth out of love, not out of rigidity, not out of slavery, it needs to be something that springs forth of love. So why do we do this? Where are we going next week with this? In part two, I'm going to lay out some very applicable things, seven reasons why 
the Sabbath is important to celebrate and why it is beneficial to us, to all of us, to those who believe and to those who don't. You see, the Sabbath was made for you. The Sabbath was made for you, for you to recharge, for you to rest, for you to relax, for you to come here and focus on Christ. That is the end goal of the Sabbath. It's also made to be the day that you worship on. Friends, if seven days a week looks the same for you, then you have a problem in your life. I call it workaholism. Am I telling you if seven days a week looks the same, if six days a week look the same, and, and you know that one day you couldn't make it to church, then you're wrong, and you know we're going to take you out back and we're going to stone you because that's wrong? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that's, that if seven days a week looks the same and you don't have a time to rest and relax and spend time with your family and worship Jesus, even if you don't get a chance to make it into this building, then you're on the road to health. If you do not have that, you're on the road to burnout. Sooner or later, the gas will empty out and you'll be running on fumes. Let me tell you what happens when you run on fumes. Your family starts to notice it. People that you work around start to notice it. You become less emotionally committed to relationships. You become less emotionally committed to conversations that you have. And you just take your life and it's almost like you place your life on autopilot. You need that time to relax. You need that time to rest. You need the time to take it easy. If God thought that it would be wisdom for him to rest and take a Sabbath day after he created the world, then what makes us think that we are more stronger, powerful, and have more stamina than even God does? The reality is that we don't. And when we run on a consistent and constant clock, we're doing harm to ourselves and to our families, and we're sacrificing them on the altar of paganism and idolatry. And I know a lot of people say, well, that's kind of weird for you to say that, Pastor, but I'm telling you that it's the truth. It's the truth. The truth is that a celebration of the Sabbath is in the best interest of our walk with God. It's in our best interest for us to celebrate the Sabbath. We need to rest, friends. We need to relax. We need to recharge. 